It's good to be with you this morning, church. I want to thank Pastor Zach and Leah for the invitation to come here and join you and share a word from the Bible with you today. As she mentioned before, I am Rachel's brother. I think she still claims me as her brother. We look alike. Yeah, they told us in junior high that if they switched our haircuts, we'd look exactly the same. I'm not sure that was a compliment, but I, you know, anyway. Um, but yes, no, my sister, it's good to be here with her and with Ray, my brother-in-law, and my nephew Marley, who I get to be uncle to. It's a lot of fun. So Rachel told me this morning, don't tell any embarrassing stories. So what I did is I brought pictures for you this morning. No, no, not this morning, but if you invite me back, I'll show some pictures then. I got a good one for you. Actually, it's good to be here this morning. I'm very blessed. I love coming to this church for many reasons. Number one, we hear, my mom and I and our family hear how this church takes care of my sister and the family. So I want to thank you for the way you've opened your hearts, your space, invitations to ministry and worship. So many things happened here. Marley was baptized here. Ray was baptized here. Rachel and this family, I've heard their journey and going to different churches throughout the world where they've been stationed and just hearing what you're doing as a church and supporting this family. We want to thank you all very much for that. So can we just hear an amen for yourselves and what the Lord is doing? Amen for that. So I just want to thank you. They didn't expect me to say that. That wasn't too embarrassing, right? Good. Okay, good. I want to make sure I eat and I still have a place to sleep this weekend. That's why I can't tell any stories right now, but I will later. Um, I have a prayer request. My best friend's brother-in-law, Chad, is drowning. He's drowning in addiction. And to be honest with you, if I can be really sincere and honest with you, it didn't break my heart until recently. We just went about our lives. They had family barbecues, birthday parties, celebrations, and Chad is always there. He's always invited, and we have nice talks, and that's all they are. They're just nice talks. But if I can be authentic with you for just a moment, my heart didn't break until recently for the fact that I'm standing on the shore, and we're just talking, oh, Chad's at it again, or Chad's doing this again, and there he is in the water, drowning. And I have, a, I have a hunch that I'm not the only one whose heart at times is just there and not really engaged with the people in my life or the people in the community who are drowning. In fact, isn't it true we've all been drowning? Didn't Jesus have to reach down and grab us? And isn't it true even while we're in church here, some of us are drowning even today in sin? Let's be honest in our marriages, or in school, our studies, at work, whatever it might be. I remember sitting in a hotel in Texas. I was pastoring there for six and a half years. And I remember sitting in this hotel in the lobby reading my Bible. Now, normally I'd be watching sports on television because I didn't own a TV or cable in Texas. And I still don't even own one right now. And that doesn't make me any better or nothing. It's just too distracting for Pastor Ben, okay? If you get me in front of a TV, half an hour it will turn to three hours. Can I be honest with you? Can I be straight? Okay? Can I get a witness? You can say mercy. Don't say amen to that. Just say mercy. Okay? Amen means let it be, right? We want it to happen. Mercy's like, it's true, but we don't want that, right? You know? So, you know, I sit in front of the TV too long, so I had to get rid of it. So this time I said, you know what? Instead of watching basketball or whatever sports was playing that night in the hotel, because they have cable and TV, I was going to do my laundry. I've been traveling for a few days, waiting to go to the conference office right next door to the hotel. And I was reading my Bible in the lobby. 
And this woman comes rushing in, barging into the entrance. And I could tell that she knows the lady up front. They had a greeting, but she is fuming. She is mad. She is cursing. She is upset. And I'm thinking, who is this vile woman, you know? And there I am with my Bible. And there she is, and she is just livid. And I'm like, what's going on? So then I hear her talking to a friend. I can't believe, and, you know, the Texas drawl, the southern drawl. But I, I picked up the y'all, okay? I haven't left that. I always pick up something where I live, some kind of y'all, right? Say y'all. Oh, you guys got it down, good. So there we are, and I'm, I'm listening to her talk to her friend behind the counter who's working there, and her friend's mortified because here's a guest sitting and her friend just going off. And what I gathered from the story is that this lady and her boyfriend were living in an apartment with another couple. They had their own rooms. And she was so upset because the lady, her roommate, took her boyfriend's truck, was only supposed to take it for about an hour to do some shopping. She took it all day long. And now it's nighttime. And her friend, her roommate, is sitting in her boyfriend's truck in the parking lot right now. And she goes, I'm going to beat her up. I'm like, wow. Now I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of this, and I said, I thought, man, this vile woman, but to be honest with you, it reminded me a story of Roger Morneau, the guy who writes about prayers. Anybody read any of his books? And he talks about the same experience when he had a, a, a man he was listening to. He said, man, that's such a vile man, cursing at his wife that were going to the store while he's sitting in his car. And then he remembered, Lord, why am I calling this woman vile? I should be praying for her. You know, we're a little slow sometimes, right? But I'm being, I'm being honest with you, right? Am I not? I mean, straight with you. You just met me like, whoa, this guy's a little too authentic right now. But it hit me a little later. God, I need to be praying for this woman. So she's cursing, calming. Then she kind of calms down. Then she floats my way. I'm like, ooh, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Right? And I'm thinking, and I'm praying, Lord, what can I do in this moment? And as she comes closer, I just say, hey, what's going on? I see you're upset. Ah, oh, and then she starts talking to me and tells me the story I told you with a little more detail. I saw she had a, she was wearing shorts and a tank top, and she had a, a frog tattoo on her leg. I go, that's an interesting tattoo. Tell me, why did you get a frog on your leg? And she told me, well, this frog is an African frog that in, in, when it travels, when it grows up, it can find its way home on its own, where it grew up originally or wherever, where it was raised. I was like, That's interesting. And so then we started talking, and then it hit me. I need to share with her a psalm that was shared with me when she's being very authentic and real with her experience and her emotions and what she's going through. And that psalm I shared with her, I want to share with you this morning. Because the title says, How to Pray a Real Prayer. And you're probably thinking, who is this guy coming to teach us how to pray a real prayer? But it's not about me. It's about what the psalmist, King David, wrote in a prayer that has an answer for us today. The answer for us to answer the question, how do we be real and authentic with God in such a way that he will transform our lives completely? Our role in our transformation is to be authentic and real with God. But there's times I'm finding as a pastor in my years of ministry that there are a lot of people who come to God and think they have to have a prescribed way of talking to God. And that's the worst kind of prison to be when you cannot be your authentic self to God in that moment. Because God does his greatest work and transformation in our lives when we are real and authentic with him. So before we open God's word, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads one more time with me. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning.
God in heaven, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, we ask that you will speak to us through your word in a personal and powerful way today. What the psalmist prayed those many years ago, I pray will be our prayer, Lord. Maybe not the same words, but may we learn what it means to pray, a real, authentic prayer, in such a way, Lord, that we open our hearts to you to transform our lives for your honor, for your glory, and the blessing of all those around us. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen. Please turn with me to your Bibles to Psalm 109. Psalm 109. And when you get there, please say, Hallelujah. Psalm 109. I'm going to be your tour guide for today in the psalm, which means you're going to walk with me through the scripture. We're going to pause at a few different places to point out some interesting sights and some things there. And, you, and when I ask a question, I'm going to be looking for an answer. Is that good? Think of this as Sabbath school extended for just a moment. For some of the places we're going to stop. So when you get there, please say hallelujah so I know we have enough Bibles open. Hallelujah. All right. I got a lot of people with their Bibles today. Good. This morning. Let's look at the first five verses. This is to the choir master, a psalm of David. Be not silent, O God of my praise. For wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate. And attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Let's stop back there for just a quick moment. Look at those five verses, please, and answer this question. What challenge is David experiencing right now at this moment? Just shout it out. I'm sorry? Okay, so specifically, what is he and Jesus experiencing? What's he experiencing right here? What's, what's happening in his life at this moment? Rejection? Rejection? Persecution. persecution. How's he being persecuted and rejected right now? This side. What's that? He's getting evil for doing good. And what, are they, what evil is he being given right now at this moment? Accusations? Hatred? Lying? Wow, that's painful, right? When people lie about us, say hatred things, reject us, it hurts. But look at this. What relationship do these people have to David? Are these the Assyrians who are far away? Is this some enemy in the Persian Empire? Who, who is this? What, and what clues in those first five verses tell you who it is? Who might these be, people be? Say again? Okay, they're wicked, but what... Who are they in relation to David? His own people. And what tells you that? Okay, good. Verse 4. In return for my what? Love. So this is the relationship he has. Doesn't it hurt even more when those you know hurt you? Isn't that true? Don't we hurt those closest to us? You've heard this phrase for how many generations, right? Those we love the most, we hurt the most. And those who love us hurt us, right? So these are people that David knows. Now notice what his response is. What is David's response? It's in those first five verses. We're still there. What's his response to them who say lying things and hurt him? What's his response? What does he do? He does what? Say it louder. He prays. Wow. Isn't that awesome? 
Wouldn't you want someone to pray for you that you hurt? How many would want someone to pray for them if you hurt them? If I hurt you, wouldn't you want, wouldn't I want you to pray for me, right? How many want David praying for them? Shouldn't we turn to prayer quickly when people hurt us? But don't we turn to other stuff? Don't we get defensive? I've gotten defensive. I have to own some of that with my family at times when I throw a quick word back or I get a little attitude, you know. Rachel, you can give, do I hear amen, Rachel? <laughs> Testify. <laughs> so here it is, right on cue, right? So here it is. David turns to prayer. Prayer. Wow, how many, how many arguments? How many marriages? How many board meetings? How many times, if we turn quickly to prayer, when things start, our emotions start getting too involved and those get buttons pushed, what impact would prayer have? Uh, would prayer have on our relationships with one another? Wouldn't that be amazing if we started praying for each other? So we want to see. David's going to teach us how to pray. You ready? Let's look at David's prayer for the person that hurt him. Verse 6. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander, children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity his fatherless children. Let's keep going. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. Let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. For he did not remember to show kindness, but pursued the poor and needy and the brokenhearted and put them to death. He loved to curse, let curses come upon him. He did not delight in blessing, may it be far from him. He clothed himself with cursing as his coat. May it soak into his body like water, like oil into his bones. May it be like a garment that he wraps around him, like a belt that he puts on every day. May this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord of those who speak evil against my life. Well, I'm going to ask the question again. How many want David to pray for them? Raise your hand. <laughs> Not this prayer, right? Whoa. This is worse than a mafioso, right, that we hear about, you know, that in movies or whatnot, right? Whoa, David. Question. When he prays such a prayer that he wants the man that lied about him killed, that he wants the wife to be a widow, that he wants their own children to be wandering and begging and scraps for food in the trash, and he wants a creditor to seize all he have, he's asking for every worst thing that could happen under the sun to happen to those who hurt him. I have a question. Before we judge him, what do you think the level of pain he is feeling from the lying and the people that he knows and loves that hurt him so bad. He's hurting. And doesn't often our pain turn to anger? That's usually, how, that's usually the doorway into anger, right? Usually we're frustrated about something. We're blocked and we can't move forward with a plan or some kind of something we desire. Or, you know, we're hurt so bad we turn to anger. David is angry and he's hurting. And who is he talking to right now, church? Who is he talking to? He's talking to the Lord. He's talking to God. 
He's pouring out what's in his heart to the Lord. Now, I'm guessing, it doesn't tell me exactly where in David's life this is written, but I'm guessing it's to the choir master. I'm guessing he's, he's, he's praying to God while he's king. Can we start there? Would that be a fair assumption here? Not just because of Psalm 109, because they might have been jumbled up in their chronological order, but, but David is praying a real prayer to God. By the way, do you notice who he wrote this prayer for? Who was it he wrote it to? Who would I say? The choir master. Church, can you picture these words being set to music this week, and you're, someone's going to lead out with... <laughs> You're going to lead out this song next week. You're going to sing it, right? I mean, that's what he wrote it for, didn't he? Don't you love reading the scripture? There's some, there's some stuff in here that's like, whoa, Lord, blow my mind, you know? Wow, we're supposed to sing this song next week, right? Imagine. Appoint a wicked man. A... No, I'm just kidding. You're... But you're like, man. David, I, I love this prayer, and I'm grateful for one of my, my pastor mentors who shared this prayer with me in a group of people and it just it blew my mind because here is a man of God who loves the Lord who served him throughout his life yes he made bad choices that hurt and got people killed and hurt others and God still forgave him but here's a man who is being straight honest with God about how he really feels can God handle how we truly feel when we express us, no matter what it is. This is the worst kind of language I've heard before. You know what I'm saying? David desires this man to hurt. And he's talking to God. That woman in the lobby was hurting in her own way. Frustrated, angry, in pain. And I opened up this scripture to her. Now, not as long as I, I'm going to do with you. When I say long, you know, I've been known to preach long in my churches. But don't worry, there's something that can counteract that. And that's if a door is open and the food from the cafeteria smell wafts in the sanctuary. And then usually I cut my sermon short by about 10 minutes. So I just want to let you know, no. We're, we're, heading, we're heading to the, we're heading to the uh, finish line here pretty quick, actually. But here David prays a real prayer. And the question we have to ask is, this is not a model prayer. God didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't inspire men to put this in the, in the scriptures and say, okay, use these exact words. But I believe, as I read the scripture, that God had this prayer put in here to tell us, pray what's on your heart. Pray to me what's on your heart is the invitation I hear from the Lord. No matter what it is, no matter how angry you are with a person across the aisle or across a cubicle at work or across the desk at school, no matter who you're experiencing, not just anger, but any emotion with, pray to God. Now, if we, if we close the book and, and that was it, if there was nothing else left in that prayer and, the, and it stopped right there at verse 20, right, then I think that person in the prayer would be in big trouble, wouldn't he? Because if David is the king at this moment, could he have that man killed, yes or no? He has the authority, right? If David is king at this moment, could he send creditors to that man's house and take everything that is, yes or no? Could he turn the wife and the kids out in the street? Could he do that? The beautiful thing, there's many lessons in here, and I hope you see other lessons that the Spirit will speak to you today and during this week about Psalm 109. But there's a few lessons we'll learn. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm kind of excited about what this chapter teaches us. Because David hangs in there in prayer and doesn't say amen right at the, at the height of his anger. He hangs in there in prayer. 
And we don't even, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm giving you the conclusion before I even get there. But let's just look at this. Have you heard God speak yet? Yes or no? No, we we don't see God speaking at this moment, right? Have you seen his hand at work yet here? Not yet, right? All right. So let's, what's the turning point here? Where is the turning point in this passage as we're looking at it? And the, sorry, I got to put my glasses on. I always forget. What's that? This side? My sister's so good. She even knows which pocket I put it in. Even when I didn't know what pocket I put it in. Hey, you're wearing glasses too, sister. What's up? Wow, look at that. I know, right? That's why I had to have her speak up. This lady over here. Like, what is the answer? Because my hearing's going too. All right, here we go. So the, here's where the transition comes. Because we, we don't see God's hand at work per se. We don't hear his voice necessarily. But there's a shift while David's praying. And we're going to see it in the language he uses in his prayer. So let's look here at verse 21. I love this word, but, in the Bible. It's, it's an awesome word. Whatever was said happened before. Yes, there's something different coming now with that word, but. But, or nevertheless. That means something is coming that's different. And here it is. But you, oh God, my Lord... Deal with who? Me. Deal on my behalf, with me, for your name's sake. His focus was ire and anger at the man, but now where's it going? To himself. Deal with me, for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me. Notice, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. I am gone like a shadow at evening. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak through fasting. My body has become gaunt with no fat. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. David now is saying, God, I wanted you to get retribution on this guy, but Lord, deal with me. I'm needy. It's my heart that's being broken right now. And then he also talks about the physical effects, right? Notice he says he's fasting. Now, normally we think of prayer and fasting as something we choose. But if you listen to his language, it, it sounds like it's more, it's more like, you know, you know when you're sad? I don't know about you. Some people eat when they get stressed. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on that, okay? But here it is. Some people, it's hard to eat when you're hurting, right? When you're crying, when you're in pain emotionally. It's hard to eat. It's hard to, you're so focused on the pain. So David even physically experiences, has physical experiences here. And here David is saying, deal with me, God, for your honor and glory. So he went from anger at the man to dealing with his pain. And then we start seeing a hint of now pointing his finger to where? His heavenly father for him to be glorified. Now, let's continue, let's continue reading for just a moment. Psalm, verse 26. Help me, O Lord, he cries out again. My God, save me according to your steadfast, what? Mercy, your love. I love this part because now the focus went from anger at the man to dealing with his pain. And it says, let them know that it is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. See, he's wanting God to get the credit for the healing God's going to bring his life. Amen? Notice what he does next. Now, I love what he does because it sounds like he's going back to cursing, but it's going to be a little bit different. He says, let them curse, but you do what? You bless. Hey, God, they're going to say what they're going to say, but God, you bless. Notice what even the, he recognizes truth. He's honest. They're still cursing at him. They still lied. They did wrong. He's honest with that. However, 
You don't hear the anger that he had in the previous verses. Now he goes to God and says, You bless, Lord. No matter what they do, you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. Then he says this, May my accusers be clothed with dishonor. May they be wrapped in their own shame as with a cloak. Here David went from chopping them at the knees, at the feet, the knees, right, the arms, everything, hurting them bad. He says, look, let them be put to shame by their own actions. Let it happen. It's passive. Before he was praying an active prayer for God to do something harsh to them. Now it says, let them be shamed, let them be dishonored by their actions, their words. He's turning now to something else. He says this in verse 30. With my mouth, I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. Church, as we look at Psalm 109, we see a transition of David's heart, a transformation. You don't hear God's voice. You don't see God's hand. But you can see in David's language that there's a change in his heart. Why? Because he went from his pain to his anger and ire at the person. And from that, he said, God, you deal with my heart. Deal with what's going on in here. Then he turns and he praises God. And where does he praise God? Where does it say he praises God at the end there? In verse 30. Say it louder. In the multitude. Question. Who's in the multitude? Which people? The ones that made him upset, the people who were lying about him, the people who were speaking ill about him, they're in the multitude, and they're going to hear him praising God for working in his heart, bringing healing to the pain he had. Now we have gone from praising God to testimony. We can't do justice in this morning, this short time we have together, but I pray as a church, you will read this in your own study, your own time. Explore Psalm 109 and ask God, Lord, what do you want to teach me about how to pray a real prayer to you? Because David avoided a lot of extra pain he could have caused as a king by going to God first with his true feelings, right? But sometimes you go to each other first with our true feelings, and we cause more damage, and we cause more pain. God can work in that and heal that too. Amen? Can I hear an amen on that? You believe that? God can work even when we mess up. I have to testify to that personally. But when we turn to God first and we pray a real prayer with our true feelings, God works. And we can't give up. We've got to hold on in that. And I was looking for that quote, and I know it's in either Steps to Christ or Ministry of Healing. It's in one of those where Ellen White says, we get off our knees too quickly before we receive what we ask for. David teaches us. One of the lessons I learned from Psalm 109, David hangs in there in prayer. And I don't know if that was his intent. His intent might have said, God, I want you to, I want you to deal with those people. I want you. I'm taking David at his word here. I want you to deal with those people. Hurt them, Lord, the way they hurt me. But David hung in there in prayer until what? God transformed his heart from anger to healing to praise to testimony. What kind of church could we be here in Templeton where I pastor in the worldwide church, in the meetings that the general conference leaders have, in the meetings that our church, local churches have, where we pray first 
and pour out our hearts to God first, especially in those tense and difficult moments, what kind of people could we be and what can God do in our midst so that other people can say God's healing presence is there. There's tension, but God's resolving it. They're praying people who turn to him first. And we're not being fake with our feelings. You understand what David is doing here, right? David's being real. He's not saying, oh, everything's nice, because that's a lie. But he's being real with God first and letting God deal with him first. Then he goes back out in the multitude, and then he has a testimony to share. I love that. How about you? Wow, what kind of church could we all be? There's a quote I I did find that I love. In order to commune with God, we must have something to say to him concerning our what? Actual life. See, God, Jesus, at the woman, talking to the woman at the well, he said, God is looking for people who worship him in spirit and in, and as Adventists, when we hear truth, we normally think of what? Correct biblical information. Yes or no? Now that's important, yes? That's important, church, Yes? Templeton, I know it's important to you because I've been here enough, right? I've visited enough and I've heard Sabbath school and everything. It's important for all of us. We want to have correct information. But if we only have correct information without transformation, knowledge puffs up, the Apostle Paul said. And what follows is pride. She says, in order to commune with God, we must have something to say to him concerning our actual life. So the truth about our life, the truth about what I'm feeling in this situation, or truly about this person, or what I'm dealing with here in life, I have to tell him what's going on. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it's necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him, like David did. That's what David did. He prayed his true heart. God came in. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. I like the idea of Jesus coming down to my life, though. That's how I think, right? Because he came to this earth. Did he not to walk among us? Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You all been studying the Holy Spirit, right? I heard about that. What, I'm, what I say is we don't, see, we don't see God's words, we don't see his hand, but the Holy Spirit must have been at work in David's prayer. Even while David's talking, the Holy Spirit's working. And the Holy Spirit works more in ways that we cannot see than in the ways I think we do see at times. I love seeing God at work. I wish I could see him at work more often, but he's at work all around us. The Holy Spirit's at work. So if you just woke up during my sermon right now and you're going to get the last bit which is what I tell my church members, because I know, I know who sleeps on me and who doesn't, but you all seem to be fairly awake right now. A few of you are praying for me. I appreciate those prayers. But if you just woke up, let me just give you the big idea. Here's the main point, that this is all you get. God transforms our hearts when we pray authentic prayers to him. That's really what Psalm 109 is all about. God transforms our hearts when we pray authentic prayers to him. Can he work on our hearts even when we're not verbally praying? Of course. But I believe we give God more space in our lives to do greater work in us when we are honestly, authentically talking to him. And you know what's interesting? I think we will be more authentic with each other. I don't mean dumping our laundry, our dirty laundry on each other, right? Speaking of laundry, let me finish that story because I don't want to leave you hanging. Because each one of you are going to come and, hey, what happened to that lady in the, in the laundry mat, right? Well, you know, we did baptize her in the pool of the hotel. No, we didn't. I'm just kidding on that one. I wish we could. I wish we could have said that. But I'm going to tell you what happened, okay? 
So as I asked her the question, what's going on? She's telling me she comes over and sits across on the couch across from me, and we're talking about the frog tattoo on her leg and her life and what's going on. And then I say, can I share something with you? So I open up Psalm 109. And actually more simple way than I just did with you all. I open up, I go, you know, there's someone that felt like angry like you in the Bible. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah. And I opened up to Psalm 109 and I read the parts where David was angry about somebody else. And she's listening as I'm sharing with her. She goes, wait. And she goes over to the little business center. You know, they have like, it's like one desk with a computer. There's a piece of paper and a pencil. And she comes back. She goes, where's that found? And I tell her Psalm 109. She actually wrote down the reference to this Bible. I don't even know if she owns a Bible. I don't know, I don't know what her life's like. I don't know. I, I don't know what she's going to do with it. But she's sitting there listening with a pen and paper in her hand. That doesn't happen to me often. And I'm just sharing with her. And I said, can I pray with you? Because I, I, I know you don't have to be stuck in this anger and this pain. And, and I get it. You know, I, I understand why you're feeling the way you do with this person. But we, there's freedom to be had here. Can I pray with you? Sure. And so I bow my head. I have a simple prayer with her. And she did calm down by God's grace and by God's power. Amen? And then as she leaves, her friend who's working there that was mortified at the beginning looks over at me and just simply mouths the words, thank you. So her friend was listening too. No, I, can I be honest with you as a church? I've missed opportunities like that too. Okay? I've totally missed them. They were there. I'm like, Lord, but that moment, Psalm 109, learning how to pray a real prayer from the Bible. God wants you to pray what's truly on your hearts, in the private of your heart, and then ask him, Lord, I want to give this testimony, or I want to meet, minister to this person, or I've got to resolve this conflict with someone I've been struggling and have tension with. God wants to do work, amazing transformation in our lives, and he does that especially when his people are authentic and real with him. Lord Jesus Christ, we bow our heads. And I pray for that woman in Texas, wherever she is right now, whatever she's doing, that, Lord, that chance encounter, not just with me, but maybe other Christians she's met, other believers in you, I do pray right now for her, that bring to her remembrance, Lord, Psalm 109, that she can pray a real prayer to you, and that, Lord, she can see you working in her heart, her family's heart, her friend's heart. But, Lord, the another lesson I walk away with Psalm 109 is... It's not about dealing with the other person first. God, deal with me. Deal with my heart, Jesus. Deal with our hearts first, Lord. You know that, as Marley read this morning, that there's anxieties in us. There's, there's, uh, there's wickedness in us. There's, there's hurtful things in us that, we, that David prayed for you to deal with, Lord. Search our hearts. Try us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful or wicked way in us, Lord, that, that you need to set us free from and heal us from. And Lord, lead us in the everlasting way so that we can praise you in our hearts, praise you in the multitude, and that others may be turned to you, Jesus Christ, for salvation, for transformation, and freedom, and joy in every gift you have for them. Lord, this is our prayer. Thank you for this sincere authentic and real prayer you gave us in scripture in jesus name we all say amen